Hello and welcome to Touchline from Casper Els and Mark Cameron. Hello, Mark. Hi, Cas. Nice being back in studio. Definitely looking forward to our guest tonight. And loads and loads of coaching and playing experience. Um, obviously, there's a lot of question marks on his real ability, whether he's a good coach <laughs> or a good player. Um, but always welcome to have him in, in studio. I've had the pleasure of working with him as well, so nice to have him in studio. Yes, we have uh, Dick Muir with us tonight. Um, Dick playing 148 Natal caps, um, 27 Western Province caps, eight Stormers, and then five Tests for South Africa. Um, Dick, I see you've got a clean record in your tests. All five tests won. Um, what a great one. And then coaching from varsity right through to to Springboks. Welcome, Dick. Yeah, thank you, Casper and Mark. Uh, don't ask me about the playing days. That was so long ago. And uh, with us ex-players, you know, the older we get, the better we were. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Which is true. Uh, that's why we said we're going to keep you under the bus. So can you tell us about right. your first test against Italy? I see that you won that test 61-31. Um, can you remember anything about that test? No, I do. I remember it fondly. Uh -huh. I mean, uh, it, it was at the ripe old age of 32 when I finally got my first uh, my first gap to uh, to play for the Springboks. So it was a it was an unbelievable experience. Uh, we played in a great team. I mean, you know, that team was uh, was uh, the team that went on and, and obviously won the that still I think currently holds the record uh, consecutive wins. Yeah. So it was the start of that that whole. Uh, that whole series, but yeah, playing in that game against Italy, I mean, the, the game just flew by, and it was it was incredible. The the intensity was just a, a step up from provincial or Super Rugby, uh, yeah, and I, I really enjoyed it. I must say, good. But that old uh, old tour that you guys went on, um, obviously, you played in, in in all those games. Um, I know there was a lot of lot of banter as well at your age to to make it happen, and a lot of people speaking about your speed and all of that. But at the end of the day, the skill and and the know-how and the players that that played alongside you, and obviously you were them. Um, and as you said, that was the start of a of a great era in South African rugby, um, and something that people at a ripe age and at a young age still look back on because that record has has been there for many a year. Yeah, I must say it was uh, it was amazing to to finally get given the opportunity and uh, and and Nick Mallet, who was the coach at the time, uh, sort of backed backed my decision making and uh, and being a sort of older citizen in the in the backs, uh, you know the the guys the guys uh, allowed me to be able to uh, exploit the space where there was space and uh, call the moves and. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a great group of players that we had, and a really successful tour that we were on. Well, I look at the scores now. Um, your second test against France, the first one was thirty six thirty two, which was quite a close one, and then your second test was fifty two ten. The game against England then was twenty nine eleven, and then Scotland at Murrayfield, sixty eight ten. So it it must have been a good group of guys. No, it was it was an incredible group of guys, I must say. Uh, you know, they, the 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 test, the second test against France, is one that stands out. Uh, I remember, 
you know, the first test being been so close against them a week before. Uh, we were expecting all sorts, you know, and it was the final, it was the final uh, game at that stadium, which was their main stadium. Yeah. And uh, in about the 11th minute of the game, I think we were on our own 22, or within our own 22, and there was an opportunity to, uh, to have a go. They'd sent the wingers back and uh, it was on to move the ball, and we moved the ball, and we happened to score a try from our own 22, which was a little bit unheard of in those days, you know. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was incredible, and uh, we had such a good team. I mean, you know, even Russi was uh, was part of that team, and and now being the the Springbok head coach or director of rugby, water boy, whatever you want to call him, <laughs> uh, yeah, he was part he was part of that, you know, and we we really had a good group of guys. I think at the moment he's the social media king, huh? So we can get get rid of all yeah. the other names. He's social media king. Listen, <laughs> well, call call him what call him what you like, but uh, he's doing an incredible job, and he uh, he's got everybody jumping around all over the show. Let's yeah, uh, let's hope that we just win this next test match, and uh, then we can crown him as as yeah. the best. You know? Definitely. Yeah. Can I I just ask there uh, while we at uh, Rashi? Obviously, I see uh, Sir Clive Woodwork even called him a clown. Um, but as we take it, you'll take every every name given to you as long as you tick that winning box at the end of the day, because that's that matters. You know, they can say we play boring rugby. They can say just what they want to. Um, we are the current world world champions, and hopefully, after this coming weekend, we will uh, obviously win the, the, the series against the Lions as well. So they can say what they want to. But I want to ask you by, by that is obviously from a, from a playing perspective, um, you've been around the block and on a coaching side and you went on to, to coach the Springboks. Um, for yourself, being a, a late bloomer, if I can say that, from a playing uh, side of it into the Springbok side and then becoming a, a Springbok coach, what was it like to change? And, and obviously your your pressures are different now from a playing and now a coaching and that, but was there a massive change? Um, was it easier that you've been through the system already and understood the system, or how did you feel uh, fitting in? Yeah, I went, uh, I went straight from playing into coaching. So uh, I gave up in, uh, in 98 and I coached, uh, Super Rugby in '99, so I was very fortunate. And to coach, uh, to coach under a guy like Andre Marcroft uh, was a, was a real honour, you know. So those were the the cats days. But uh, having been a, a a player who was a decision maker on the field, a part of the leadership group, uh, it was quite an easy transition. Um, but you know, there's there's one thing about understanding the game and and. And having a feel for it, but the 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 real challenge is the teaching side of it. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's something that uh, that I struggled with initially, and uh, and then you know just a bit of uh, extra work at a lower level mm-hmm. uh, to gain the confidence, go out and perform it, and uh, and then I got my opportunity at the Sharks in two thousand and five to be able to be the head coach at the Sharks, and uh, and the rest is history, I suppose. Dicky, sorry, if I can just ask this question for, for some of our learners, uh, listeners sorry, and uh, guys that play the game, even if it's a club level, and then, like yourself, becoming a coach so soon, what, would you, what advice would you give players that are either player coaching or 
become coaches. Obviously, some of your mates that you are now trying to coach um, played with you a year or two years before. So what advice would you give them from a point of playing now to adapting to becoming coach? Because obviously there's that mutual respect as a coach now instead of as a player and your mates and that. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a, a fine line between being a player and being a coach. You know, you, uh, you know, you've got to distance yourself from the players, uh, but you don't want to change who you are. You know, if you if you're a serious guy, you remain a serious guy. If you're if you're a bit jovial, you remain jovial. You know, so I think that's a, that's a really important uh, aspect of coaching. You know, the the guy that turns up. Uh, there needs to turn up the same individual, whether you win or whether you lose, uh, whether the pressure's on, whether there's no pressure. The players respect the fact that uh, that you turn up the same and you deliver the same message. Um, yeah, so I think it's a really important thing. The uh, the aspect of, of uh, distancing yourself a little bit from the players, I think, is also really important. Uh, I found that transition was a little bit of a difficult one for me as well, having made that immediate change. But uh, if I look back now and I, I say, yeah, that's, that, that was one of the, the tougher decisions to make, you know, is, is when, to, when to engage and when to disengage from, from the activities. So, so uh, before I hand over to Gus, I want to ask you two other questions, right? So the one would be uh, a more serious one. Uh, the one would be after obviously becoming Springbok coach, and um, later on, you went back to coaching franchise rugby, in most particular at the Sharks. What mental approach is it for you, uh, or was it for you, to change mindsets, possibly being a national coach and now becoming a franchise coach? Is that any different, or is it just part of, the, part of your job and you just continue doing what you're doing? Because obviously people would think that it's a step down, possibly, um, how did you feel and how did you adapt by doing what you had to do? Yeah, I think it's a really good question, Mark. And, uh, and, and the answer is, you know, it, it's a passion of yours. So whatever level you coach at, you're going to give it your best shot. Um, and, uh, and if you're a coach that measures yourself on, on wins or losses or what level you're coaching at or, or whether it's up or down, you know, it's, it's, it's 23 players or a group of players that you're going to be coaching You've got to arrive there with the same enthusiasm, same preparation, same outlook. Uh, you know the games are obviously different. You, you, you at, at one level you overanalyze, perhaps at another level you you underanalyze. Uh, but it's just about it's about doing what's necessary to to gain the respect from from your players and your and your fellow coaches and, and management. Well, and that, uh, and I agree with you 100%. Uh, obviously, not that I've been there before, but uh, I, I hear you 100%. Now, <laughs> the other one that I'd like to ask you is um, the Dick Muir off the field um, as a player and possibly as a coach, um, compared to the more serious Dick Muir when you are on the field to do whatever. Um, and I'm going more when you were a player and then became coach. Obviously, there's a change of mindset because. Um, those that know you um, know how you operate off the field. Uh, how was that that your mates now all of a sudden had to start listening to you and you had to be serious at times? Sorry, I'm throwing you under the bus. Yeah, so, yeah, so I think I think it's uh, I think it's it, it goes with the it goes with the environment. You know, there's there's it's probably like business. You know, there are times when you can be jovial. There's times when you got to be serious. You know, uh, it's just. Uh, it's been able to 
to manage the situation, manage yeah. the, the circumstances, uh, manage what the expectations are. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's, there's a time to work and there's a time to play, you know. So uh, I think that, that balance is a really important one. And, uh, and I think, you know, whatever your philosophies are, but mine, mine is is work hard, play hard, you know, and uh, and that's what I've tried to instill in all the teams where I've been involved from a coaching and playing perspective. You know, we get onto the field, we work hard. You know, off the field, we have some fun, uh, but when it comes to to practicing, we've got to practice hard. We've got to prepare well. We've got to we've got to mentally be uh, ready for whatever the challenge is. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's around the circumstances, I'm sure, Mark. And then obviously it's a lot of mutual respect between players, friends and coaching staff and whatever, and they, you, you draw the line to say, right, this is where I'm maybe a friend of yours, but like you said in business, as soon as you start your office hours, then that's how it is. We're the workers and we need to get the job done. Yeah, yeah, I think it's very similar to that, yeah. you know. There's, a le there's, there's leadership, there's uh, mm. responsibilities. You know, everybody in the team environment has got a role to perform. Yeah. My role is not more important than anybody else's role. It's just about getting the job done. So uh, when you've got that uh, that work ethic and that respect for each other, you just get the job done and, and it makes life easy for everybody. Yeah. No, I agree. And you can actually see the more successful teams in the world. I mean, that's exactly how they operate. Yeah, yeah. And, and I must say, you know, it, I think it comes with coaching. Mm -hmm. You know, there's... Uh, uh, been been in the coaching uh, environment. Uh, we coach coaches with the academy side, and uh, and you know you learn you're learning all the time. You know, so so you're never the complete product. You never yeah you never stop learning, and and it's great to be able to have these chats where you can share some knowledge. You know, I'll learn something from you guys this evening, and 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 you know yeah, it makes you a better coach at the end of the day. Yeah. I think that's very important to know that you don't know it all, and you can still learn. Doesn't matter what your age. <laughs> That's a fact. Yeah. Um, can we touch on, on Curry Cup quickly? Um, I just want to touch on the Curry Cup before we talk about um, the, the test, upcoming tests. Um, games played, Western Province 13, uh, Vodacom Bulls 34, Salsi Sharks 27, Griquas 37, uh, Lions 33, and the Pumas 36. Dick, if I can ask you, um, these scores with the with the Krikos and the Pumas, do you think it's because of the the bigger franchises not having their their Springboks or their their better players, their number one players in the sides, that it, it gives Krikos and and the Pumas an opportunity to to compete? Yeah, I think they 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 had a bit of an advantage. They work with a, a sort a smaller squad of players that are more used to each other. Uh, you know these guys are motivated, uh, incredibly motivated. Uh, they they're the same guys that have been through uh, the competition before, and they're going to be the same guys in the next competition. You know, so they they're improving as they go along. But uh, I must say, hats off to the uh, to the coaching staff of those unions. You know, they've they obviously get them up for these bigger games, and uh, and they they're improving constantly. So. Uh, you know, it, for me, it's also just a, a great sign of, of the potential talent that we have in this country. We sit right. with an abundance of great players. Uh, some of them uh, don't quite make it to the top or make it higher up, and and it's probably due to poor coaching or, or, or not not getting that opportunity. So, you know, there's uh, 
you know, the the smaller unions, if I could call it that, you know, they haven't they have an opportunity to be bringing in players all the time because the bigger unions Don't tend mind. to take their players yeah. once they become good. Yes. So uh, they they end up being a little bit of a feeder system. But those coaches are, are really doing a good job in talent identification. Um, and uh, it gives more guys an opportunity to play. So when they get the opportunity to play against the bigger names, bigger unions, it's motivation on its own. Uh, and, and I also think that they're playing uh, enterprising rugby. You know, they, they play very much a, a, a ball-in-hand style of play. They're they looking for the spaces. They're playing into the to where there's spaces. It's not just a straight bash, 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 which uh, I think has become uh, evident in our curry cup. You know, there seems to be too many collisions uh, and uh, we're not moving the ball around. So, yeah, not to detract from from the standard of the curry cup, but I think, there, uh, you know, something needs to be done to improve the standard of, cur- of the curry cup at the moment. Uh, sorry, Gus. Dickie, can I just ask a question? When you talk about the way we're playing and it's become evident that we basically crash ball, that's what we do. Do you not think there was a slight mind shift change um, in the way we prepare because we would have obviously gone to play in the in the Pro 14 and the conditions in the north are slightly different to, to where we are accustomed to? Don't you think that was possibly part of the planning last year already and now it's just continued? Well, I think if you have a look at the Northern Hemisphere, they're scoring more points per game than what we are. So, yeah. uh, you know, I think uh, it just shows how significant the growth of rugby has been up north. Yeah, and it's more around the, uh, the individual skills and talent that there is there, you know. So they are most definitely playing a more expansive style of rugby um, and they play to the conditions. So. Yeah. If it's uh, if it's wet conditions, you don't want to fight those conditions. You play in accordance to what mm. the conditions are. Uh, but uh, when the, when the conditions are good to play uh, an expansive sort of game, they'll play that expansive game. Or there are moments during the game when they'll when they'll read the situation and play what's what they see in front of them. Definitely. Then moving on to last weekend's test, uh, the Springboks coming back quite significantly in beating the British and Irish Lions 27-9. Your thoughts on on that game, Dick? Yeah, it was was an incredible test match. You know, uh, it was sort of built up in a way that, uh, you know, there was all the media hype and and, and the the -the off-the-field antics. uh, And I thought those came into play. I think, uh, think, you know, there was certain a lot of uh, nervousness amongst the, the... the officiating of the the match itself, so uh, it was the longest first half that I think yeah, I've ever watched, yeah. uh, and it was it was pretty boring because it was so stop start, mm. uh, and uh, and the teams were sort of feeling each other out. I, I really felt that uh, that the Lions would have been comfortable uh, at half time, uh, and then you know the second half was just a, a, an incredible half a half of rugby by the Springboks. I mean to score 21 unanswered points. Uh, and it really didn't look like the British and Irish Lions were, were in a position to be scoring points. Yeah. So, uh, the, you know, the, the, it was like the seeing the slow poison, if I could call it that, yeah. you know, where, you, where you're losing the, uh, the set-piece battle, whether it's scrums, whether it's line-outs, whether it's driving malls, 
we were they were losing those battles, giving away penalties, uh, and that just allowed the Springboks to grow in confidence, and uh, and the score was just ratcheting up and up, and 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 then it became a little bit more expansive, and it was lovely to see them scoring those two tries, uh, but uh, overall I just think it was a great performance by the box. Uh, it was good to see some of the players finding form. Uh, you know, any any one of those players could have been man of the match, uh, but there was it was a great game of rugby. Well, there were a few of the reserves that game that could also have been man of the match. I mean, they played so well. <laughs> um, I just want to ask you quickly from a coaching point of view before we carry on with all the other yeah. stuff. Um, you you spoke about um, us scoring two tries, and obviously the British and Irish lines didn't. If you had to look from a coach's point of view, let's say you're Jacques Ninaba now, obviously he's a defensive guru as well. Um, you'd obviously take a lot of credit uh, out of the fact that our defensive lines are quite good and our structures are in place because in the first test, the lines only scored one try. Second test, there were no tries scored by them. Um, the first test, we were denied, I think it was two or three tries. Um, and obviously we scored two in the second test. Um, what do you, just from that perspective alone, uh, what would we take into the third test? Because obviously that in itself will give us a heck of a lot of confidence. Yeah, I think our defence has been our defence has been great. Our defence hasn't been tested though out wide. Um, I think the uh, the British and Irish lines obviously uh, chose uh, a sort of more of a kicking game as well, uh, particularly in the in the second test where they were trying to find some space just in behind the defensive line. Uh, but the chase lines weren't good. We'd covered that space pretty well. Uh, and they weren't they weren't getting any reward from their kicking game. So they were losing the aerial battle whenever it was the up and unders. But uh, but certainly when they were trying to kick into the kick sort of pass space that, that we talk about, they weren't getting that right either. So so when there was a kick, it was a turnover of position and it, and it, it really bowed bode well for the box. Right. Looking at the test now coming up, the upcoming test, um, I see Mornay Stain is in on the bench and it's our third player that will have his 50th game in the third test now as well. And then guys like uh, Faf de Klerk and Peter Steff de Tui that's both out um, injured. Um, do you think that that's going to have a, a major impact on, on the game, having two of those players out, the calibre of those players? No, I don't think it will It will have a, a, such a big effect. Uh, I, I really do believe that uh, that uh, Mostert playing on the flank in place of yes. Peter Steff was, uh, was uh, a stroke of genius there. I th thought they got that call right. Mm. Uh, and, you know, he's just been such a workhorse yeah. for, for South Africa that, uh, that, that well, you know, I can't believe the amount of work that that guy gets through. Um, you know, so so we, we're swapping like for like in a way. Uh, and I also uh, think, you know, that uh, that at, at Scrum Off, uh, a guy like Reinach deserves uh, a, an opportunity. He's been playing really well abroad. And, uh, and yeah, he, he's an experienced campaigner. And it, uh, again, I think selection-wise, they, they, they got that call right, you know. Put somebody on where there's pressure, where where the game is is really tight. Although it didn't really end up opening up in the first test, but uh, possibly in this test match it will open up. Um, and I think he's the man to to do that role. So 
so yeah, Fuff has had a, a both Peter Step and Fuff have had uh, great contributions uh, in this series. Uh, but but that's what happens. Injuries come and come and uh, give somebody else an opportunity okay. to to shine. So yeah, I I don't think it's weakened this much. Yeah, if I can just ask, sorry, I'm just going to go slightly off that topic. Um, as a as a ex Springbok coach, uh, you you now have a situation where you bring a, a Reinach into a test match, starting test match where he wasn't even on the bench in the first two, and you have a Yankees now that that came off the bench in those two. How do you, as a coach, as for our coaches listeners, um, communicate that to a player because? Whoever sitting on the sofa outside would automatically think that a guy like Yankees would now start the test and, and Reinach would come off the bench. But in this case, it's what wasn't like that. How do you approach that and how do you keep a Yankees, for argument's sake, positive now to know that he's obviously still in the mix? Yeah, quite simply, you, you're always going to be positive to play for the Springboks, you know. It's the, it's, it's, uh, there's no questions about that. But yes, there can be a bit of negativity. Um, but... Uh, but I think if you're just talking honestly and, and, you know, it's those honest chats that you need to be able to have and constantly having with your players uh, that they understand where they fit in. Uh, and I think it's just saying, listen, for what's what's the best for the team is that uh, this guy starts and you're going to remain on the bench, you know. And I think uh, he'd, he'd understand that and accept that, you know. I think uh, what he brings as a, as an impact player or as the bombshell uh, squad, whatever you want to call it, uh, he performs that role exceptionally right. well. So, so yeah, his time will come, mm. and uh, and he'll 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 play many many Test matches. So it's not about uh, whether he he'll get another chance or not. Mm. I just think that uh, in a tight Test match like this, where it's a decider and and everything else, you you. Uh, Reinach will be the right guy for that. And I agree with that. I think his, his experience that he's picked up overseas and playing in different conditions and against a lot of these players, I mean, that would uh, obviously stand him in good stead as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and, uh, and you know, he's been part of the squad, so it's not like he's come in right. from, from nowhere. Uh, he's played with these guys. He knows these guys. The call's all the same. Uh, yeah, he'll fit in. He'll fit in well. That's exciting times. And then looking at the continuity, I mean, there's two injuries and it's only those two changes in the starting lineup. Um, nothing else except for Franco Mostert that's now got the positional change. And then if you look at the bench, the bench is now a 5-3 split and not the, the 6-2 that it was. And it's only Mornay Stein that slots in there now. Um, do you think that those changes are purely to keep the continuity as well? Yeah, I think... Uh, you know, it's not a, it's not so much about continuity of it's about winning this test match. You know, uh, that's what it's all about. Is is what what team is going to be the best team to win this game? Uh, you know, you've got to get all the sentiments out of the way, and you've got to say we've got a job to do. South Africa needs it, uh, and we've got huge responsibilities here to be able to win this game. So, uh, this is going to be we need to put our best foot forward, and this is the best team to do it. Uh, Dickie, I just want to ask if we can just quickly go to the British and Irish lines. So, so the last two test matches, they too made two or three changes, obviously, between the first and the second one. Um, in the third test, Warren Gatlin has rung wholesale changes. I think there's six, six changes in total that is made. Um, obviously, as you say, you, it's, it's 
a test match that you have to win. So you have to play your best players for whatever particular pattern you might have or whatever in that specific game. But don't you think in a, in a crunch match like this, to make six changes, and some of them haven't been part of the match day 23, although I, I hear what you're also saying, they're part of the system, they understand what to do, similar to Reinach. But to make six changes like that, don't you think that is, a, is a very risky to go into a test match that you technically have to win? Well, when you when you lose a second half 21-0, then, uh, then you've got to say to yourself, listen, I've got to do something quite drastic here mm. to to turn that around, you know. So, so yeah, where, where, where I, I find it quite interesting is where they didn't make too many changes was in the pack of forwards. And that's where we kind of had our dominance. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he's probably, uh, and, and Warren's a, a, a wily old character, you know, so, so he would have, motiv- he'll be motivating that pack of forwards to say, guys, you let me down last week. I want, I want to see a, a better performance here, you know. So, so there'll be some challenges there, and uh, and you know these guys are experienced campaigners. They leaders in their own country, mm-hmm. uh, so they'll they'll be right up for this game. Look, I, I I think the if I look at the changes, I think they they positive changes, they changes that that are surprised that they weren't there in the first, first place. place agree. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I you know I also feel that uh, that in their backs. I was expecting a lot more from from the British and Irish lines from a, a style of player. I, I really felt that they were going to be a little bit more expansive. Right. They're going to be, you know, stretching the box with their rush with the box rush defence, and you know they were going to do a few things differently where they haven't necessarily done that. You know, they've kicked a lot um, and they've tried to uh, sort of take the box on at their own game. So. Tactically, this this last test is going to be an interesting one to to see how it unfolds. And if I look at their selection, you know, going with two sort of playmakers, two guys that have got a kicking game, uh, they've gone for a more stable sort of uh, fifteen, if I could call it that, a guy who's got a better aerial game. Uh, I think there's uh, it's going to be a tight test match. It really is going to be uh, it's going to be the small. It's going to be the small things that are going to win this game. So, so if you were Warren Gatland, um, would you change anything in the last game? Would you be more expansive or basically stick to what you do, but possibly tweak one or two little things? Uh, yeah, it's easier said than done um, as a as a coach. But I would do things vastly differently mm. to what uh, to what he's done. Uh, in that, uh, in that, I, I just feel that he's been playing into the hands of the box. You know. Mm. You you don't want to fight fire with fire, and uh, and and if you know this the the Bok mentality, the physicality, and the the winning those those uh, those collisions, you know the the uh, the gain line collision that they that that they're going to be challenging on. Uh, you know, I would be going for a more uh, tempo top game where you want the ball in and out in those set pieces. Uh, you want to speed up the tempo. You want to catch the the box a little bit on the back foot, uh, and play a different sort of style. You know, a kick, have a long kicking game rather than a than a short kicking game, but looking for that space the whole time. Maybe something similar to the box in the World Cup, where we changed our our game plan slightly in the final and we caught England by surprise. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, and I think again, you know, we we when when you. When you're winning the game line battle and you're on the front foot, 
then it's easier yeah. to to mm. become expand to become expansive, you know. And uh, and I think that's what happened there. So uh, yeah, I think the the coaches will say that they planned it like that, but. I think it was, you know, I think that that injury in the front row yeah, yeah. had a big part to play. One hundred percent. But you know, it's uh, what what a magnificent uh, World Cup final that uh, was. Yeah. It was. It, we'll uh, it, was a, it made us all proud. <laughs> yes. No, definitely. Then moving away from the from the Springboks for a bit, um, your your involvement with Ian McIntosh in the in the legends. Um, your words uh, before we came on to air, where you said you can't replace him, you can just work alongside him. Um, what is the, the work that you guys actually do, and, and what is your involvement in that? Yeah, well, listen, the, the, the scope of work that the South African legends do uh, is, so, is so vast. I mean, they do such incredible work. I mean, whether it's uh, from a feeding perspective, whether it's from from kids development, from coaching development, from uh, helping helping players in need, uh, helping the elderly. You know, the, the the South African rugby legends have done a phenomenal job. And and I must say, you know, Ian Mack's role in in sort of coaching the coaches in the sort of uh, you know that anchor from a rugby perspective. Yes. You know he's done it so well for all the years, so that's why I say to you, we can't replace him. We can only work alongside him. You know, he's he's there. He's a stalwart, and he's done an amazing job. And uh, and like many of the other coaches that that uh, that fill in from time to time, you know, it's uh, it's just an honour to be part of that. Uh, I think, uh, Dickie, if if one is honest, then you'd say um, Ian Mack is probably the the legend of the legends. <laughs> he probably is. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I must say, you know, you know, for to to, he's so passionate. He's 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 got so much energy and enthusiasm that rubs off on everybody else. But you know, there's there's many other people in the organisation yeah, right, that are doing great work. You know, but it's you know the 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 understanding of what the legends is about is more about the the, the aspect of giving. And giving back, you know, yes. and being thankful for what 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 you've achieved out of the game, mm-hmm. and and being able to give back to others, and 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 that's why it's been so successful. Yeah, no, it's great. Okay, if I can also, if I can also ask your role at the the Sharks Academy, you have been appointed yes. there to to obviously um, stake a claim and and give back there as well. There's a few of you, some of the players that stopped playing now, as well as also involved there. Talk to us a little bit about the academy and and your involvement and where we're going with this. Yeah, it's a, it's an exciting it's an exciting role. We provide the rugby program for the Sharks Academy. Uh, you know, the Sharks Academy has uh, has been going for a long time. Uh, it's gone through its sort of ups and downs over the years, uh, and it needed a little bit of injection from a, a coaching perspective. So we've uh, rolled up our sleeves and and. Uh, it's it's just wonderful working with uh, with young enthusiastic kids that that have got a dream to play rugby uh, as part of their development. So it's not it's not about just becoming a shark. It's about the the whole that we uh, the whole person that we're trying to cater for here. You know, there's an educational part of it. There's a there's a discipline part of it. Their life skills. There's a rugby part of it. It's all it all comes into one and and. And more importantly, it's a fun environment. You know, it's a it's an environment where 
where guys uh, find mates, they become mates for life, they become part of the alumna. You know, it's 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 really just a, a lovely environment and to to be doing it at the stadium uh, where you've got this uh, this professional uh, body that's working alongside you where you can leverage off some of the, the, the aspects of the game uh, and just to to work in an env- a safe environment like that is, is great. So do do just for the listeners and maybe the young up-and-coming players that are looking for a, a, a good environment to go to and a good franchise to to think about going to the Sharks Academy. Um, obviously, they have their role models in the Sharks and maybe at Province or wherever it is. But if a guy if a guy joins the Sharks Academy, do they get the opportunity to rub shoulders with some of the professional guys that they look up to and do they work with them or is there no interaction at all? No, there's a lot of interaction. You know, the guys, the, the guys are around in the same sort of environment. Obviously, they, they have a more professional environment side to it where these guys are studying, they, they're playing, they're they conditioning, they're doing all the aspects uh, where, you know, I just think the, the, the opportunity, it's not necessary about just playing for the Sharks. It's about being the best that you possibly can be. And uh, we've, we, you know, the Sharks Academy have produced so many international players, provincial players that, ha- that maybe haven't even played for the Sharks, but played for other unions that have kicked on other countries, you know, it's it's just a stepping stone. So, you know, they have a gap year program. They have uh, they have uh, a lot of online studies. They have uh, the ETA sort of environments. They they just they provide a, a lot of uh, education as well as rugby. It's not just rugby, and 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 that's and that's what the perception is maybe out there. But it's about it's about creating the. Uh, uh, a long, a long-term plan for these youngsters that really don't know where they necessarily are going. Thank you. Then, if we can move on to to club rugby and especially KZN club rugby, um, we have taken the field as from yesterday, preparing for the the resumption of the of the league. Um, the club rugby league now will be finishing off the first round, and then thereafter will be. The Premier League will split into the top four and bottom three um, and finish off that way, and then we'll move straight into the the Murray Cup. Um, your thoughts on those, um, the final few games on the on the um, club season, Dick? Hallelujah, that we're back. Thank I was going to ask, <laughs> yeah, do you even <laughs> follow club rugby? <laughs> of course I do. Of course I do. I'll play it. A lot of the academy players play <laughs> yeah. in the club rugby, or they yeah. all play in the club rugby yeah. system, you know. So, so we watch a lot of the club rugby. So, but uh, the 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 beauty for me is, you know, that's where it's community community based. That's where that that's the grassroots of uh, of the rugby, you know. So, so it's good that everybody's getting back. The schools are getting back as well to to playing, uh, and yeah, we've had a, a a real drought as far as rugby is concerned sure. uh, at those levels. So it's good for everybody to be back and uh, exciting. I know the club rugby uh, scene is hotting up. There's some teams that have uh, come from nowhere that are doing well, and there's uh, teams that that had big promise that aren't doing as well as what they uh, what they're hoping to do. So 
it's time to uh, roll up the sleeves and get back into it and see what happens. So, Dickie, uh, now that you're at the Sharks Academy, obviously you're neutral, so there's no specific club that you support, am I right? I'm neutral, but I'm a Crusaders man. Does that <laughs> make sense? I just wanted to say that Crusaders <laughs> beer are the coldest. Eh? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I'm only kidding. No, <laughs> no listen, I, I tell you what, uh, we have a lovely club environment in Durban yeah. and, and uh, you know, the competition is, is rough. And, uh, you yeah, know, we've got mates who we... Uh, you play for the other teams, I won't mention the names, but uh, but they always wanted to play for Crusaders. We couldn't accommodate everybody, <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, there's uh, there's a there's a great vibe in, in Durban, and the club rugby is uh, is still good. That's great, now, Dickie. I just want to ask before I finish off now, and Cus will take over. I just want to ask you, uh, we've moved on from the academy. But the young up-and-coming players, if they wanted to join the Sharks Academy, obviously the Sharks Academy is better than other academies. I'm sure you'd agree with me. But uh, if they wanted to join the Sharks Academy, how do they go about getting Dick Muir to coach them? Yeah, there's an application online process. Uh, you know, they, they, they need to have certain criteria apply and, uh, and hopefully you can get in there and, and uh, we look forward to working with you. We've got a We've got a host of coaches, so it's not just me. There's uh, there's a, there's there's a whole lot of other coaches that you're going to have the opportunity to work with and and rub shoulders with. And uh, as I said earlier on, we we're all learning and we're just improving and uh, and we have a lot of fun out there with these youngsters. Uh, you know, to see to see guys uh, maybe think about the game a little bit differently to how they've been coached before. Uh, to see guys that are playing in a position that they thought that's their position and then, yeah, you know, changing. find another position which is more suitable for them. Uh, and then some of the kids don't know how good they are, you know. And, uh, and yeah, it's, uh, we, as I said earlier in the conversation, you know, we, we're blessed in South Africa with the amount of talent. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's the coaching that's needed to be able to get these guys to where they can be uh, coupled with obviously the the mental side of it, the conditioning side of it, and then uh, and then you know your rugby is only a, a part of your journey, uh, and to get the educational side or you know or the uh, development from a business perspective is also what's really important for these guys. Thank you very much, Dick. Thank you for for joining us, and um, please come and have a a cold one here in Toti. Um, we can maybe get you into an orange jersey. You'll feel what, what it feels like to wear a, a decent orange jersey. But thank you very much for, your, for joining us and your insight into all of this, these topics that we discussed. Um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for having me on your show and good luck for the rest of it. And good luck to all the guys that are listening out there. Uh, yeah, it's a great game and, uh, and give it your all. Dickie, just in, in ending on my side, then um, obviously, are you only involved at the academy? There's no clubs that you are involved in coaching at the moment? No, I'm not. No, I'm, I'm only involved at, uh, at the academy. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it takes a lot of my time. So uh, that's as much of the coaching I'm doing at the moment. So if we throw a lifeline, you'd uh, be happy to drive down south for a, for a session or two? <laughs> With pleasure. Thank with you. Pleasure. Yeah, <laughs> I've got you know, that the, on record uh, now. <laughs> yeah, and we and we do. We run courses around the country with the the academy. Uh, so uh, so yeah, we we I believe in 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 
in uplifting or, or upskilling other coaches. Uh, and and it's a way of developing your own coaching methodologies and, and philosophies and everything else, you know. Yeah. So so the journey of learning doesn't end there. True. Thank you, and uh, thanks for agreeing to, to join us on Touchline and looking forward yes. to chat with you again and uh, inviting you to join us at Toti Rugby Club for a session. Great. Thanks, Dick. See you guys soon. Go Thank away. you, Dick, Just and keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dick. Enjoy, yeah, enjoy. Cheers, Mark. Cheers, well. Um, Gus, in in uh, after Dicky has now left and just chatting a little bit with regards to the general rugby in in Toti, um, I also just want to mention that um, I think it was about three months ago or so we at Kingsway High School had the pleasure of hosting a coaching clinic. Yes. And uh, I was just told today that the coaching clinic will be featured on Shark Bite. Yes. As from this week, so for yep. the for the remainder of August, so those that want to want to tune in is more than welcome to have a look on Shark Bite starting tomorrow. Yes, well done to Kingsway and uh, Mark Cameron for hosting that. Um, was a big one for for Toti as well. Yeah, definitely. There's so many coaches in Toti that that learned from that and. Um, you know, it's an annual thing that will happen now. And as Dick alluded to as well, it's important to, to give back and to get the coaches to, to be on a specific standard. So um, may that continue. Well done to you and Kingsway. Thank you. Uh, from my side, thank you very much for, for a good show. And thanks to Dick for, for agreeing to to be involved in this. And uh, yeah, all the best to the, to the Springboks. Definitely, all the best to the Springboks. From myself, Kasper Els, and Mark Cameron, have a great rugby week.